0: Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb-T, which we try to do in a bi-weekly basis. Tonight we're talking be complacent, not impatient. Don't lose your fuse. Sources are from Safaria, unless noted otherwise, that wonderful website. Look out for the points to carry over the PSTCs, which are usually bold, underlined, and italicized. If you're following along, usually we put the sources up, believe afterwards on the Sheer Enjoyment website, and you're welcome to follow along there. And all Sheerum are on SheerEnjoyment.com slash Sheerum slash dash Reb dash T. Shout out to Jake W for all his amazing work on sheer enjoyment. The lecture series, this show, as well as the PAL, the Picker of a Show, the Audio DT, the Audio Dvartor, and the OT Talk Show are on all different podcast forums. Maybe not everyone in the entire world, but many different podcast forums, excuse me. Feel free to email Rebti at Rebt at cheerenjoyment.com. R-E-B-T at cheerenjoyment.com. It's for the Rafua Shalema of Livia Margolit Ilana Devora, Shlomo Bensara Dina, Yehoshua Matisyahu Bensara Rivka, and for anyone sick or needing a Yeshua or Rafua. Hold your horses! What's your rush? Do you have a train to catch? Where are you running? Give me a minute! Wait! Just a moment. Be a little patient. Patience, my friend. Or patience, my friends. Hold on a second. Hold your horses. Don't get your scarf up in a knot. Don't test my patience. schnee Rock rega. These are all phrases I'm sure we've heard used or used ourselves every single day. The famous phrase goes, patience is a virtue. Patience is a wonderful quality to have and keep within us. There are so many things in life that require patience. So many aspects of life require waiting. How many years did it take for someone to find their wife or have a child? How many years did it take to get through college or graduate school? How long did someone's dissertation, patent, book, project, paper, etc. take to finish? If we had patience for that, why don't we have patience for other, smaller things in life? So many small elements, besides for larger ones in life, lack patience. We can't wait in line. We cannot stand traffic. We get so mad when the internet cracks out on us or, or snaps out on us. We get so upset when our cell phone loses service or when our apps don't work. Last week, my WhatsApp wasn't working for a day or two. It was like really frustrating. It was really testing my patience. And there are so many apps, so many different things on our phones that it doesn't work. Then it makes us upset. Waiting on the phone itself makes us furious. People tend to lose patience, and it tends to spiral quickly out of control into anger. And then even at times, for some people in some small level, physical manifestations, they get so upset, so impatient, they're kicking the desk, they're throwing a book, etc., There could even be seen side effects as well when not dealing properly with using patients. Things such as displacement, we learned about in psych, I was a psych major in college, taking out anger on someone or something else, not really the cause of your anger, like someone kicks the dog because the boss made them really mad and yelled at you at work. Or projection, you say someone else is angry at you, impatient at you, when really you are the one that's angry or impatient at them. There are also common defense mechanisms seen related to impatience and anger. Do you know road rage is a real thing? It is defined by Wikipedia as aggressive or angry behavior exhibited by motorists. These behaviors include rude and verbal insults, physical threats or dangerous driving methods targeted toward other another driver or non drivers such as pedestrians or cyclists in an effort to intimidate or release frustration. We have seen, or we ourselves maybe on some tiny level have had it throughout our years, this idea, and we've seen how out of hand it could get, especially on the road, especially in life, it could really spiral out of control. These things are all real and are common ones, unfortunately, that do get out of hand when we don't check our anger or impatience at the door. Patient. The word patient, the idea of patient, a person who is patient, is defined as, by the dictionary, bearing or enduring pain, difficulty, provocation, or annoyance with calmness. Dealing with these things with calmness or exhibiting calm to these triggers, tolerant understanding. Wikipedia defines patience as the ability to endure difficult circumstances such as perseverance in the face of delay. Tolerance of provocation without responding in annoyance or anger. Or forbearance when under strain, especially when faced with longer-term difficulties. Patience is the level of endurance one can have before negativity. The dictionary further defines patience as the quality of being patient. As the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint. Without loss of temper without irritation and or the like as well as an inability as an excuse me as well as an ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay to have patience with a slow learner and quiet steady perseverance or perseverance even tempered care and diligence The dictionary defines complacent as satisfied with the current situation and unconcerned with changing it, often to the point of smugness or eager to please, civil, kindly, giving pleasure, making sure to be happy with what you have, as Pirkei explains elsewhere, understanding that what you're given is exactly what you need, not being impatient or angry with life or situations around you. But impatience... It's seen by the dictionary as a lack of patience, an eager desire for relief or change, restlessness, and an intolerance of anything that thwarts, delays, or hinders. So someone who is impatient would then personify these traits. Further explaining the opposite of patience, the dictionary explains that it is restlessness, eagerness for relief or change, and can be seen as touchiness or quickness of temper. Patience is thus a wonderful and crucial trait to work on, something that many of us need to constantly try to work on every day, especially in difficult day-to-day life decisions. I once heard in a shir, I forget who said it, maybe even Rabbi Rosner, I don't know which rabbi said it for sure, that so many sins in history and abundance of transgressions were due to a lack of patience. Adam and Chava eating from the tree of knowledge was considered one because some say it would have been permitted to them had they waited. We'll see the sources in just a second. Shaul giving a carbon even though he was supposed to wait for Shmuel, the Navi, Shmuel Navi, The Jews not waiting long enough and doing the golden calf before Moshe came down just a day later, not even a day, are just a few examples of a lack of patience and timing. So many things in our religion, so many things in our way of life, you think about having to do a bracha before eating, having the patience to push off your need for food by putting the bracha before it, and so many things, waiting for davening, waiting for a minion, waiting for so many things in life have to do with patience, have to do with the ability to, to wait for things. Or points out in Vayikram, when it says, L'osochlu al-hadam, you shall not eat with the blood, that Adam who had eaten from the tree of knowledge before its period of being Orla had expired. The other trees had been expressly permitted by Hashem so that the prohibition was overridden. According to the Medrash, all Adam had to do was wait until the advent of the Shabbos. He would have been permitted to recite the benediction over wine. According to the view that the fruit of the tree of knowledge were grapes. So basically the main thing was that Adam was too impatient. He couldn't wait. He ate from the tree prematurely. He ate from it too quickly. He didn't wait with enough time. The Flames of Faith further explains the Shalhevet Shalamunah. Adam was impatient. He ate from it on Friday afternoon when it was prohibited. Instead of exercising patience and using it that evening for Shabbos. The nation also lost patience at the time of the Egel at the time of the golden calf. They despaired. They constructed a golden calf. Instead of rectifying Adam's sin, we repeated it. Judaism, the way of life, the Jewish way of life, seeks to lead us to correct Adam's failing. That is why patience is so important in our tradition and our way of life. We wait patiently for the coming of Mashiach. I patiently wait. I patiently wait for Mashiach to come. I patiently wait for Mashiach to come. And I want to make sure that Mashiach is coming at the right time, so I wait... I want it to come at the right time. I wait with a complete faith. I have complete faith that he will come, even though it might take a while, even though he might tally and tarry, even though it might be a few thousand years till he comes. I know he's coming. I'm waiting every single day. Do you wait for Mashiach? Do we wait for Mashiach? Do all of us patiently wait for Mashiach? I know many people throughout history. My dad was a big believer in waiting from the shiach. They say the Chavetz Chaim himself had a suitcase packed, ready for the shiach at a moment's notice, or maybe it was a different sage. Even us, we had a bag packed a few months ago, but over time had to go and use some of the stuff for the kids. But there is a bag somewhere. You have to have that bag packed. He could come at any time, except for Shabbos and Yom Tov, because he doesn't want to be a Tirecha to us. But we have to believe that things are waiting. We have to wait. We have to have patience. We patiently wait for the coming of a better age, Mashiach. Even though the wait has lasted for millennia, for we will correct Adam's sin. And whatever we do for work... With whatever circumstance we have in life, patience really will come through for us. If we work with kids, if we have little kids at home, even if our kids are older, we know how far patience can push us. If we're working as a teacher, a therapist, a doctor, a lawyer, a banker, or anything, we are all really needing that patience. We all really need to have patience. On the road, driving or traveling, at work, or walking. Patience is always being tested, is always strained in our lives. But it is vital to be worked on and try to get better at, even if we fall and fail many times. When we lose our patience, when we give into anger, annoyance, or meanness, we lose a little bit of ourselves. And then the beast within will come out to devour and consume us. Impatience can be seen as a feeling of a hungry predator, a lion, lying in wait inside ourselves, waiting to come out and explode in fury, in patience or in anger. It is easy to give in and to let the fuse be blown. It's much harder to watch yourself, to be patient and to not lose your fuse. Torah.org explains through the writing of Rabbi Pinchas Winston, Patience is definitely a virtue. Perhaps the most important one of all. It is amazing how far a little patience or impatience can go to change a moment, a life, lives, or even history. Sometimes people are patient when they're not supposed to be, and sometimes people are not patient when they're supposed to be patient. You're supposed to use patience in the right way. Talmud teaches us in Brachos, anyone who tries to push off the moment will be pushed off by the moment. Anyone who is pushed off because of the moment... The moment will be pushed off for him. On an everyday level, it means don't try to bring things prematurely. Don't try to bring things about before they're supposed to be. The phrase comes to mind, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is God's plan that prevails. That comes from Mishle. Hashem's plan prevails. You can have planned man plans, but God laughs, because really it's all in Hashem's hand. The brisker of, Once officiated at a wedding during which the ring fell into the grass as it was about to be slipped onto the bride's finger, completing the marriage ceremony, you can imagine the hullabaloo, you can imagine the tumult that happened. As a result, the long-awaited marriage was delayed another 20 minutes since it was not easy to find a tiny ring in tall grass at night using torches for light. Eventually, to everyone's relief, the ring was found. However, the briskorav had sensed embarrassment of the wedding party, and knowing his crowd, that the interruption probably had many in attendance, second-guessing the worthiness of the match of the kalam, For we like to believe that such matches are made in heaven, and assume that if they are, heaven will make sure that everything runs smoothly and on time, even though life often teaches just the opposite. So the Briskerov explained, When deciding at which time to get married, an hour is chosen for when the chuppah is to take place, and that is printed on the invitation for all the guests to know. The caterer is alerted so that he can make sure the food is ready on time. All the events of the evening revolve around that sacred time, and the plans proceed based upon it. However, the briskerov continued, In heaven, the new couple is not destined to be married until precisely 12 minutes later. Whose schedule prevails? Heaven's, of course. Hashem's, of course. And all of a sudden, though everyone involved is doing their best to make the wedding run on schedule, heaven does its part to delay the completion of the ceremony until just the right moment. We have found the ring signifying heaven's agreement that this couple can now be married. Of course, these words are embellished and changed around somewhat, but that's the gist of what he said. They apply not only to delaying wedding ceremonies, but to all of life as well. We could try to bring about desired results by certain times, but the bottom line is that all of history is in accordance with the orchestration of Hashem, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not. Just like the art of a good joke is the timing, the said can be said of a good life as well. It's all about timing, which is determined by Hashem. This is thus a truly important midah trait to work on. Shabbos 31 teaches some amazing stories from Hillel, how patient he was, what a great sage he was. The sages taught a person should always be patient like Hillel, not impatient like Shammai. There was incidences where people wanted to aggravate Hillel on the era of Shabbos. They said, we'll pay 400 zoos, I will aggravate him, I will make sure to bother him on Arab of Shabbos. I'll make sure to try to bother Hillel on the eve of Shabbos when he's so busy getting ready for Shabbos. So they came over, they tried to bother him, they said, Where is Hillel? Who here is Hillel? Hillel said, My son, what do you need? He said, I have a question to ask. He said, Ask, ask my son. And he's not asking him really important questions. Why are the heads of Babylonians shaped in this oval way? And then he answered them because they're not really experts at birth. And then they waited an hour, they came back, they looked for Hillel, they said, Where is Hillel? Hillel, we have a question! Hilla says, my son, what do you ask? And they said, why are the Resonance, eyes of Todd Moore bleary? And he said, it's another good question. It's because they live in the sand. Sand gets into their eyes. He goes again, and he says, Hilla, I have a question. And Hilla again says, ask, my son, ask. And they ask, why are their white feet and people who live in Africa? He said, a good question again, because they live in the marshlands. That's how they walk. And then the guy comes again. Asking Hillel questions. And he said, Sure, ask your questions. What do you need to worry? I will ask your questions. I will answer your questions. Hillel is worthy for you, having losing those 400 ziz on the bet, because Hillel will not get upset. There was even a Gentile that came before Shammai talking about the Torah. Asking to be converted, that you teach me the written Torah, and Shammai scolded him, got rid of him. Another a lesson for another time. But the same person came before him, converted, and began teaching him Torah day by day, little by little. Aleph, beth, gimel, Then he goes above that, and next to that, next to that. And Hillel teaches that you can't just learn the written Torah, you have to learn the oral Torah too, to show that Hillel was so patient with dealing with all of these people. And we know the famous, famous story, also in the same daf in Shabbos in the Talmud, the Gentile comes before Shammai saying, convert me on condition, you teach the entire Torah. While I'm on one foot, Shammai pushes him away with a ruler. That was a common measuring stick by Shammai. But the same Gentile came before Hillel, Hillel sent him, he converted him, he said, that is just hateful to you. Do not do to another person. That is the entire Torah. The rest is its interpretation. Go study. Hillel here shows us in different stories the extent of patience. How far patience can go. Hillel can be seen as a paradigm of patience. Maybe on one level that's why his opinion was accepted more often in the Talmud than Shammai. Besides for the, the reason they bring up in the Talmud, I believe that he respected and stated his opponent's opinion first, as it ex, is explained there also, I forget exactly where, but it teaches the idea, the fundamental need of patience. There's a famous story about the value of patience, how controlling anger can save us from destroying our family, God forbid, especially in regard to anger that's brought down in Rav Avram Chaim Foreman's wonderful book, A Letter for the Ages. We did this massively in-depth last summer. It's called The BTL with Reb T, The Better Through Letter. We did it. It's on sheerenjoyment.com. all 30 or so lessons. But in that book, in chapter day 3, explanation of the Egeres Ramban, the Ramban's letter from the Sefer Hasidim, there's an amazing story. Listen to this. Once there was a son who was extraordinarily respectful to his father, extraordinarily respectful to his father. On his deathbed, the father said, My son, you honored me in my lifetime. Now you must honor me after my death. I command you, if you should ever become overcome by anger, hold your anger in overnight. Don't do anything about it. Sleep on it. Go to bed angry, go to sleep angry, but don't do anything. Keep it in overnight. After his father's death, the son was forced to embark on a prolonged journey, which took him to distant lands for tens of years. Unbeknown to him, the wife he left behind was expecting his child. After his years of absence, the husband returned home unannounced, hoping to joyously surprise his wife. But as he approached his bedchamber, he saw his wife embracing a handsome young man, a stranger. The husband became fiercely jealous. He reached for his dagger when he suddenly remembered the pledge he made to his father. He must hold in his rage overnight. And the next day, he was shocked to discover that the young man in his wife's embrace was none other than his own son, the child that his wife had borne during his long. Absence, the man was thus saved from tragically slaughtering his own family. Having the patience to hold an anger or to wait things out can really be life-saving for you, for others, for your family, for your friends, and the world at large. If we work on ourselves, we can really acquire this wonderful middah to have. The degree of patience is invaluable we should use it for ourselves for our spouses for our kids for our students and everyone around us in fact the Talmud teaches a crazy story there was a student of a sage who had much much difficulty learning look at this Erevin 54b points out we just finished ervin and Dafyomiland. we're in pasach now but early on in ervin they talk about this this amazing story Talking about the importance of reviewing one's Torah study, the Gemara relates that Rabbi Preda had a certain student whom he would have to teach 400 times. 400! Even if we're embellishing and he had to teach it many, many times, the lesson still stands. He had to teach the student many, many, many times. Only then would the student learn the material. Otherwise, he couldn't understand it. One day, they requested... Rabbi Prater's presence for a mitzvah matter after a lesson, Rabbi Prada taught his student 400 times as usual, but this time the student did not successfully learn the material. Rabbi Prater said to him, What is different today? Why can't you grasp the lesson after 400 times, the usual thing we do? He said to him, From the time that they said to the master, that there's a mitzvah matter for which is, he is needed, my mind was distracted from the lesson, and every moment I said, now the master will get up, now the master will get up to go and perform the mitzvah, he will not complete the lesson. He was distracted. He wasn't focused. Rabbi Prada said to him, pay attention this time, and I will teach you, and know that I will not leave you until you have fully mastered the lesson. He taught him again an additional 400 times. What an unbelievable lesson. An inspiration for us to work on our own patience, especially when dealing with teaching or interacting with others. So we see how far this trait is, how great this trait is, and how distant we should go and travel to try to acquire it. I further think of the great King David, who was cursed in public, bore the brunt of it, having patience to take it in stride and let the evil act be paid back much later on in due time when his son took over. Look at what happens in Shmuel Bet, Perik, Tet, Zayin. King David was approaching Bachurim, a member of Shaul's clan, a man named Shimi ben Gaira, come out of nowhere, comes out, hurling insults as he came. He threw stones at David, the great King David and all of his courtiers, while all the troops and all the warriors were at his right and his left. What a public little Hashem. What an embarrassment. What a disgrace to treat the king so terribly in front of all his men. Really not a nice way of dealing with the king. It is definitely more Bemalchus, among probably many other sins and very bad deeds going on here. Shimi hurled many insults at him, calling him a villain, a criminal, telling him that he was paid back for crimes against the family of Shaul saying that the, the throne is going to be handed over to Avshalom, Sh- and Avishai gets righteously indignated, and he gets full of zealous, zealous pride for David and wants to kill him. Why let that dead dog abuse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. Which he would have been right to do so. It was probably more of But David says, the king answers, What has this to do with you, you sons of Serolea? He is abusing me only because the Lord told him to abuse David. And who is to say, why did you do that? David said further, if my own son wants to kill me, Avshalom at this point was trying to usurp the throne. David had to flee for his life. David had to give up the throne and go into hiding. Crazy time in his life. How much more the Benjamin? Let him go on hurling abuse. For the Lord has told him to. Perhaps Hashem will look upon my punishment. Recompense me for the abuse Shimmy has uttered today. So Dovin and his men continued on their way while Shimmy walked alongside, insulting him as he walked, throwing stones at him, flinging dirt until they finally arrived at their location. Can you imagine how much insult he had to take? How much abuse, verbal abuse, and physical abuse having to do with these stones and dirt? being flinged at him, but David did not respond. What an unbelievable ability to work on his patience, to control his response. And David is not someone that wouldn't respond. David responded many times. You know, Naval, and in in taking down all the people that were fighting against the Jews, he was a very big warrior, a very big leader. He could have easily taken him down, but he decided not to. Only in Malachem Aleph Aleph did David finally allow the punishment to finally come after years of patiently waiting. In Malachim Aleph Bet, which is actually my Haftorah, one of my favorite pieces of Navi and all of Navi, maybe because I learned it for Bar Mitzvah, when Shlomo is given the charge how to live his life, how to go about, David tells him interesting things. He tells him to follow Hashem, follow the Torah. But he also tells him to take care of a few men that need justice because starting your your kingdom has to be done with justice. You, You follow the Torah, but there must also be din. There must also be accountability. Even if they're very old and very white in the hair, they have to be dealt with. So David tells Shlomo, as he's about to take over, and he's only 12 or so at the time, you must also deal with Shami, Shimi, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bahurim. He insulted me outrageously when I was on my way to Machanayim. He came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I said to him, I will not put you to sword. Shimi came on later when David was reestablished. I mean, he always was established. He never lost his kingdom. But when the people really took him back fully... And he begs for his life, I believe. And David says, I won't kill you. I didn't kill you then. I'm not going to kill you now. But I will take care of it eventually. Do not let him go unpunished. You are a wise man. And you know how to deal with him. Don't And don't let him go gray hair down to Shaol in blood. Take care of him. So Shlomo summons Shimi in the beginning of his rulership. He says, stay in your house. Build yourself a house in your slime. Stay there. Don't ever leave. Don't go anywhere. On the very day that you go out and cross the Wadi Kidron, you're going to be sure that you die. Your blood is on your hands. Shimi listened for two years, but when he left, but when he lost his slaves, his slaves ran away. He left his house to chase his runaway slaves, and then he was executed. So there was an amazing amount of patience involved in David, and then his son's life. How many years until Shimi was paid back for the evil that he did? Even the great King David taught us about patience, enduring much disgrace in the face of waiting. We need only to look at our own history, the Tanakh and the Talmud, even those around us in recent history and current times who lived and breathed patience, and who lived and breathed patience in the past. Those who haven't exuded amazing patience around us, to know it is something that can be acquired, it may take much work, it may take much time, but if we try a little bit every day, we may indeed start getting better at having patience. So let's look a little bit more about patience. The idea of being patient and slow, the Jastro points out, is to be slow and patient, giving your opinion, not angrily insisting on your words. Kohalas points out from the greatest wise man of all time, the wisest of all men, better is better is patience. Then pride, it's better than all the money in the world. Mishle, Shlomo also points out to us, patience results in much understanding. Impatience gets folly as its portion. And Shlomo also points out to us in Mishle, so patience under pressure produce strife. You have to have the proper amount of patience and patience in the right way. Milhamed HaYehud in War of the Jews points out also Nothing so much damps the force of strokes as bearing them with patience. The quietness of those who are injured diverts the injurious persons from afflicting. Many times people try to accost us, try to get a rise out of us, try to bother us, especially superiors, administrators, principals, bosses, supervisors. Anybody tries to get us, they try to knock us down. They want to try to rile us up, using verbal abusive language almost, using threats or intimidation, which of course is illegal and not right in any way, but even if they do it in quote-unquote legal way, they try to get us upset. The best way to respond, as these sources point out also, is to not respond, or to respond calmly. If someone is really angry, someone has conditional love, or someone is mean to you, someone talks to you with berating words, not nice words in a down tone, the best way to respond, even if they're being nasty and manipulative, the best way to respond is either not to respond at all because they want to get a rise out of you. They want to get a response out of you. Not giving them res- The response is not giving them the satisfaction of making you as angry as they are, of bringing you down to where they are, or to respond in a very calm manner. What are you doing? You messed up the whole project! I am so sorry that you feel that way. I am so sorry this happened. You're a fool. You should be redeemed from the You should be taken away from this team. I want to kick you out. The best way to respond, I'm so sorry about how I handled that project. I will be much better in the future. Their hands are bold in fist. Their their faces are red with fury. The smoke is coming out of their ears, but they can't respond because what did I do? What did he do in response to me? He was so calm. He was so patient. He was so soft-mannered. But I'm so angry. I want him to be angry. What's going on here? My whole angerness is diffused. I don't know how to respond. I'm having reaction formation. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. It'll be diverted, and it'll be shut down and shut down. So that's a key of life. Someone's really mad at you. Someone's really angry at you. The best way to respond is not to fight back is not to yell back, is not to scream back. That goes for a spouse, that goes for a kid, that goes for a parent, that goes for a friend, that goes for a boss, for a supervisor, for an underling, a superior, someone you work for, or anyone you involve with that's really mad, really angry, really impatient. They want that response from you. It's like human psychology 101. I'm not a real psych person, although we did take psych as a major. But it's just a way of responding. You see it in tense situations. You see it in terse situations and crazy interactions. When someone's really mad, if the other person speaks calmly, speaks in a soft manner, or doesn't even speak at all, that can diffuse the situation. That's how you could dampen the force of reaction, the force of the stimulus of real anger to diffuse it down and to shoot it down. That's the point to carry over. Patience is really a wonderful quality to have. It is better than money and is a golden quality and is a good way to respond to strife or argument or someone angry in your life. Pirkeavos points out, there's so many aspects of Pirkei Avos. Of course, we have an entire show about Pirkei Avos, but patience is talked about a lot. In fact, there were many generations from Adam to Noah, 10, and then there were many generations from Noah to Avram, 10. Why 10 generations? Why was that necessary? To demonstrate the extent of Hashem's patience. And we're supposed to be like Hashem. We're supposed to emulate Hashem. For each one of those generations provoked Hashem continually. Until... Avram came and took the reward of all of them. But Hashem has such infinite patience, any more than we can. So on any level, we should try to emulate Hashem on our tiny level. Hashem has a ton of patience. We too should have a ton of patience, or at least a little bit. Work on it a little bit every day. Perkevis points out another way to come to acquire Torah is with patience itself. With patience itself. Ervin also points out on that daf we talked about before, how do we know a person is obligated to teach a student until he learns the material and understands it? Just look at Rabbi Prada who taught his student 400 times and that time taught his student 800 times. But there's a source that's pointed out and then they say that you must teach your student until the material is organized in their mouth because this verse says put it in their mouth so that they should be capable of teaching it to others. How do you know If your teachings really are effective, if someone else can tell over your points to someone else. If I tell you something, but you can't repeat it to someone else, then what I told you did not sink in. What I told you was not learned by you. If someone teaches me something, but I can't repeat it to someone else, I really didn't learn it. I really didn't internalize it. It really didn't sit with me and stay with me. So put it in their mouth so you can be capable of teaching it to others. The Mivchar HaPenidman points out, Abundant patience and meekness will witness the diminution of his oppressors and increase his supporters, like we talked about before. Cutting down those who are oppressing you or trying to fight you, trying to anger you by being soft-spoken, by being calm, matter, and even-tempered. Mivchar HaPenidman also points out, Patience is the safest counselor. Patience reaps peace. Patience is the invulnerable shield of the defenseless. Patience under difficulties dignifies the heart and ensures success. Patience will redu- result in independence. And he who makes patience his leading principle will be led-, led thereby to the realization of his wishes. You want to win in life? Have patience and slowly but surely go about your things. Have perseverance have stubbornness in the right way, but also have patience. Rashi points out on Kohelis, the Kohelis who pointed out earlier, patience, one who is slow to anger and is not easily provoked. Rabbeinu Yonah points out on Perkeiolis, we're talking Rabbeinu Yonah now here in the season four of the PAL. We talked about him earlier. We're now almost stopping halfway. We're about to finish up chapter three, God willing. But Rabbeinu Yonah points out a wonderful commentary, an in-person An impatient person, excuse me, cannot teach. It is not needed that a teacher be angry, nor that he be short of patience, but rather he should be magnanimous and answer everything that they ask. Even if they ask a question that seems off point, but not too off point, we've talked about before, it should be to the topic. Even if they ask a question that seems like a silly little question on the topic, every question should be answered, every question should be addressed, like Hillel did earlier we talked about. And that's another point to carry over. Patience brings much goodness to our lives, much good to our life and those around us, changing the whole world for the better. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out in Shamos, the sages elaborate on this, just as he displays patience and is long-suffering, so shall you be patient and long-suffering. Hashem wants us to come back. Hashem really needs us to come back in order to fulfill our role, to bring the world to a state of a real perfection and completion that Hashem wants to see. On some level, we should emulate what Hashem has. Hashem has been with us in Gols. Hashem has been around for the entire existence of the world and before it. But He is the ultimate patient. So why can't we try on some little level to display patience? The Orachot Tzadikin points out the modest person is patient. And from patience comes peace. And with humility, one can quiet the wrath of a man who is angry with him, like we, pointed out, like we pointed out earlier. As it says, a soft answer turns away wrath. I think that comes from also Mishle or Kohelis. That's the key of life, dealing with people that have argumentative natures, that have explosive natures. A soft answer turns away wrath, turns away impatience. The Akedus Yisrael points out the most important trait to be developed is patience. This is the ability to endure adversity easily, not without sensitivity, but heroically. The Sefer Tomer Devorah points out it's a trait that must one follow, meaning patience. Lekutu Maharan, for our fans out there of the Maharan, like Eliezer Jean, the aspect of patience is paramount. And Ben Sira points out, be swift to give ear, but with patience of spirit return answer. That's like the idea of thinking twice before we speak. It's so easy to respond, especially when we're attacked, especially when we're accosted, especially when we're trying to be shot down by other people. Patience is the way to go. Think before you speak. Think before you do. Think about it before you act. With patience, return answer. Mishlei also points out through forbearance, a ruler may be won over. A gentle tongue can break bones. Having that soft-spoken manner, that calm manner, is really the way to go. And that's another point to carry over. Patience is key and has the ability to turn away anger around us. The Sharmu Rav points out in the entrance to the gate of Beit Yaakov, people prefer immediate physical gratification and any immediate gratification over patience and constraint. That's the problem with secular culture. That's the problem with non-Jewish society. They want immediate gratification. It's all about what can you do for me right now? How can I get this right now? Every commercial, you need this right now. We need to give this to you right now. Your life will be better right now. It's the idea of the marshmallow test. Psychologists did on children, little children. They said you could have one child, you could have one marshmallow now. Or if you wait like five minutes, I'll give you two marshmallows. And they put the marshmallow right in front of the child's face. They walk out of the room. What do you expect to happen? So the child is staring at the marshmallow. The child sees the marshmallow. The child smells the marshmallow. The child will grab the marshmallow. More times out of not, the child did. But there were some kids, I believe, very few, but some kids that had the physical capability to restrain themselves to further their immediate gratification for this pursuance of delayed gratification. But that's very difficult in this world. Patience, though, teaches us how to do that. We delay our physical gratification. Any gratification we want immediately, we have to ward it off. The idea of so many of the laws in life, you know, family purity and blessings and davening, all these things, it involves a a, a basis of Hashem made it. It involves a way of figuring how to go about things, to be involved with things. Hashem makes so many mitzvahs involving patience, involving being involved with things. You know, anyone who loves any holiday, the holiday is only coming once a year. I myself love Hanukkah. It's my favorite holiday of the entire year. But I have to wait for 365 days till it comes back. And then I could finally buy my kids presents. And then I could finally light the Hanukkah candles with my kids. Then I could finally You know, be involved in in the aspect of Hanukkah, which is my favorite. But anyone who loves any holiday, anyone who loves any time of year, it only comes once a year, you have to wait for it to come back. Anyone who loves Shabbos, I love, love, love Shabbos, but I have to wait seven days till it comes again. But that doesn't mean that I can't slowly build up my way towards it. I could think of Shabbos the whole week, like Beisham e somebody would buy a meat on Sunday, put aside from Shabbos, and if there's another one, he would get it and eat that one on Sunday, get another one, and another one would wait and get the best one for Shabbos, but always keeping Shabbos on the mind, patiently waiting for Shabbos, but building up towards Shabbos. So throughout the year, if you love a holiday, you patiently wait for the holiday, but you could think about what you're going to do for the holiday. You love Purim, then even in September, you could start thinking of what costumes you and your kids are going to have. What theme your, your kids are going to have. It's hard to have immediate, it's hard to have delayed gratification, excuse me. The world is very immediate. The world wants immediate gratification in all aspects of life. But in Judaism, the way Hashem sets up so many things, especially food, it's training us to have that patience, to have the ability to have delayed gratification, to wait a little bit, to push off a little bit. I'm so thirsty right now. But even though I'm dying for a drink, God forbid dying, but I'm so thirsting for a drink, I have to push it off an extra 10 seconds to say, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech And of course I have to be better about this as probably many of us do. A lot of us, or maybe just some of us or a tiny bit of us, mumble through the brachas and we say it so close, so fast. Baruch Hashem Is that a bracha or is that a mumbling? It might be that we really need a drink, we really need to eat, but push off that need for the drink and food for an extra few seconds to say a bracha nicely. Baruch atah Hashem. Elokeinu Ah, that donut is amazing. But how much more amazing is that donut if we take the extra few seconds to say really good bracha? Really understanding what the words in the bracha mean. What are you saying? Blessed are you Hashem that you had the ability, the king of the world... That you brought for us these delicacies, these mizonos, these wonderful snacks and treats from nowhere. And hamosi Lacham in Arsi literally makes bread pop out of the earth. It's crazy. The grains, the kernels, the wheat can be transformed into bread. The wine, the grape juice can be transformed from a grape. What a crazy thing. So we take eating, we take drinking, we take any aspect of our life and we infuse patience into it. We infuse waiting into it. We infuse the idea of to be able to delay gratification, something that even in psychology they understand there's a concept that not everybody has, but it has to be worked on. The Jewish spiritual hearers point out in the creators of the Mishnah, Hillel, like we talked about in the intro, Hillel's modesty and unusual patience gained, gained wide renown. And many interesting stories were told of many attempts, futile attempts to make him angry like we talked about in the beginning. He had humility, he had patience, and he was very satisfied with his lot. He was in the habit of saying, blessed be a God for this day. Hillel was noted for his modesty and his patience. Avastor ben also points out the impatience of Shammai sought to destroy people out of this world and out of the world to come. But the gentleness of Hillel brought people life to life in this world and in the world to come. Hillel had this wonderful aspect to him. He must have been such an interesting character, probably a a very personable, charismatic character. Had wonderful sayings, especially... You know, talking about how we're not responsible just for ourselves, but we do have to take care of things ourselves. And if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? He said many different phrases. Join us on the PAL. We talk about it in the beginning of each season. But Hillel is a great character to come to know. We talked a few stories about in the beginning. But also, Rabbi Preda is a great character. We talked about patience, self-sacrifice. He got to great, he got to go to great heights serving Hashem, fixing character traits. That's Rabbi Preda. We talked about the student obligated him to use the strength of patience 800 times in that story in that day when he had to teach it so, so, so much. He knew this is what, what he had to do. He had to work on the patience. He had such patience. He involved himself, invested himself with such patience to see the limits of his toil in his instances with that student. That's a point to carry on. We should be known for our patience, for our good character and our generosity, dealing with people using empathy, being generous with our time and money and resources, giving time and attention to other people like Hillel and Rabbi Preda. Sefer Yosher points out how many good qualities there are in forbearance and patience. And Pat Lacham also points out forbearance requires courage of heart to have good pay, patient and proper patience. Siachad Aran points out the only solution people were talking about in life to be involved with things is stoic forbearance. A person must accept upon himself to endure all that happens to him with with happy and quiet and and good forbearance and patience. Shalom even points out, by David HaMelech, who himself had to deal with many situations of patience, be patient and wait for Hashem. Do not be vexed by the prospering man who carries out his schemes. Mishli also points out, by his son Shlomo HaMelech, the hot-tempered man provokes a quiet, but a patient man, calms strife. We talked about that before. You want to fight adversity, you want to fight arguments, people are shouting and yelling, as respond in a calm, cool, soft, collected manner. And that will calm strife. That brings us to another point to carry over. Understand that Hashem controls all. It can help us develop patience. We are not in control. Man plans, but God laughs. We are not the ones pulling the strings. Hashem is. He does everything for our good. He does everything He can to give us peace. He can give us peace. Only He can do that. And the ability to wait in life, we have to be able to learn to wait for things in life and have patience in our day-to-day lives. Tracted Kala Rabati explains, You have to be patient under oppression. Of cheerful appearance, keep away from sin. Be modest, patient, forgiving of insults directed at you. Know that Hashem wants it to come to you. They might be the stick, they might be the person involved, but it's coming for a reason from Hashem. They say that if your right hand hurts your left hand, are you going to kill your right hand, God forbid? No, it's coming from you. If someone hits you with a stick, are you going to be mad at the stick or mad at the person that hit you? If Hashem sends something to you, are you going to be mad at the person? Are you going to be thinking about the person or realizing that it comes from Hashem? Don't be mad at Hashem, but think about why would Hashem send this to you? It all comes from Hashem. It's all from Hashem. Hashem is the instigator and is the stimulus for things to happen. For whatever reason, everything is for the best and everything is for the better. But realize that any middleman, anyone in between is just Hashem's agent. It's just the stick that Hashem is sending to use. Erevin points out, Gemara, anyone who is patient and yields to the moment, the moment stands by his side, we talked about, he will ultimately be successful. And Baba Bacha points out, a good-hearted person is always having a feast. Life is great for them, always. This is a person that has a patient disposition, somebody who's sour in life. Somebody that's angry at life, that someone that's lacking patience is not going to have a good life. They're going to be angry. They're going to be negative. They're going to be cynical. They feel like everyone's out to get them. I'm the victim. I am the victim. I am the victim. It is me that everything happened to. It is everything is being thrown at me. It's a conspiracy. Everyone's trying to ruin my life. Maybe try to stop being so egocentric for once and be selfless. Look outward. We had a whole lecture about selfless versus selfish. Think about others, being generous, thinking about those around you. You could have more of a good-hearted life, a feast of a life. Avos Nelson also points out, we should be patient in judgment, a point many students make offense for the Torah. Those who wait in judgment are settled in judgment. They could be patient in judgment. means they should be patient with their dealings and all their dealings and not quick to anger in their dealings. One should be patient with manners and with their matters and not quick to anger about them. That's another point to carry over. Don't jump the moment. Let things settle in. Wait them out before jumping to conclusions in life, as that might be the answer oftentimes. The Mivchar also points out, Who is the most patient? The sage replies, He who curbs his passions. Nothing will mitigate our sufferings more than the patient endurance. The truly grateful person is patient. The sullen is thankless. Duties of the heart, also points out demonstrating patient bearing and accepting in times of trial and difficulty is really the way to go. The best path in life, even if we don't understand things, even if things seem dis- distraught, things make us distraught, and things seem tragic and sad and, and terrible, understand that Hashem sends everything for a reason, Hashem knows what He's doing, and accept things with a patient Faith and a patient bitachon and emunah in Hashem. Mishnah Torah points out even if others owe you according to law, be patient, forgive them, lend them, give grace. Radak points out Hashem is very patient with sinners, so too, he gives them such a great deal of time to mend their ways. Why shouldn't we be patient with other people and patient with ourselves and those around us? Sefer Yasha points out, no one who is patient will ever regret it. No one who was patient ever said, oh man, I was way too patient in my life. I should have been so impatient. I should have been so angry. I should have been so rude to everyone around him. No one ever says that. Just like someone never regrets giving to others, having children, doing good in the world, giving tzedakah, doing mitzvahs and Torah, khasi, You never hear a person saying at the end of their life, oh man, I wish I had less money given. I wish I did less good things. I wish I I did, did less for the world, less bringing children in the world. God forbid. God forbid. No one ever said, I wish I had less patience. What a crazy thing to ever think. No one who is patient will ever regret it. Having patience is one of the best qualities to have. That comes to the point to carry over again. Oftentimes we might not understand things, but as Hashem is patient, so should we be patient. Maybe with time. Maybe. Maybe. On some level, we will come to learn the reason for some things that might happen that often are very tragic and feel very tragic and sad. The Savior Tomer Devorah points out, If you're a little patient with other people towards these people, you should be much more patient and have mercy upon them. Go with them beyond the letter of the law, and they too will go to you beyond the letter of the law. Hashem will say, If you're patient with others, I'll be patient with you and make other people patient with you. If you go beyond, If you go beyond, Beyond the letter of the law for other people, I will for you as well. No one ever suffered because they gave a ninth to Tzedakah instead of a tenth, I say all the time. No one ever suffered by being a little more generous with their time, with their money, with their resources, with their generosity to others. It's the best thing to do to give of your time and resources to others. Don't break the bank, but definitely give above and beyond more than just the strict letter of the law. Yes, you're cooking for someone else, so it's going to really kill you to buy them dessert also. It's really going to hurt you to get them a drink too and to give them cutlery too? We try to do that and people feel like it's a nice thing that we actually learn from other people. When, when we had one of our kids and they cooked for us Wonderful thing in our community, they have a meal train that oftentimes goes for many weeks. One time, someone gave us a full package with the cutlery, with the drink, with dessert, and with the main course. And I'm like, wow, this is like the real full package. They went with the name of did why don't we try, Bleen Edger, to do the same thing? What a great idea. What a great concept to do for others. And Bleen Edger, sometimes we do that. To go beyond the letter of the law to others, be patient with others, beyond exactly what the strict measure would say. Redeeming points out, Relevance points out, Yehuda also knew how to listen and be patient. He knew when to speak up and when to be silent when he stood and came against Yosef at the time when it was right to fight on behalf of his brother. The book of Jubilee, Sefer Yovin points out that Avram was tested time and time and time again, but he was always faithful, he was always patient in spirit. Even after waiting to have a child for so many years, Hashem asks him to give up the child. Really, Hashem said, bind the child, go bring up the child and bind him. He never actually said to kill him, but that was the implication that maybe might have been seen. But Hashem, but Avram still went, he was patient. Even though he probably was conflicted, uh, Hashem, I waited so long to have this child, what are you doing? But he still went, he was patient. He waited the three days till he found the place. He saw the cloud on the mountain, he still went up, taking his time, patiently walking up to that spot. We too, on some level, should be patient, learn from our forefathers, learn from our inspirations. Machser points out on Rosh Hashanah, Who is patient and overlooks the rebellious? Hashem gives every opportunity to repent, to repent Excuse me, and all believe that He pardons. So we too, on some small level, should be more patient. And the Slichos also points out, How can I endure in the thick slime of exile? What is my end? I should be patient until this time you're bringing me to freedom? We realize that Hashem put us in this place, in this exile, for many years to teach us the value of patience, but to understand also the value of hope and optimism, that it will come soon, maybe soon, maybe this week, today, that Mashiach and the base of Midrash comes, but it's also on some level, maybe we should learn some patience, that we're supposed to wait and learn and yearn and bring it on our own, not expect it to come, but patiently wait and do our part to try to bring it. That's another point to carry over. Sometimes we need to learn to go above and beyond and use patience, even in a situation that seems too hard to do so. Learn from those before us that it is possible and very commendable. Kala Rabati also points out, "...the small door signifies an impatience which may, which may drive away precious friends, but be like a lower sill on which all tread. Be not like a small door, be not impatient. Impatience alienates you from your fellow men." From your spouse, from your kids, from your friends, from society around you, impatience never works. Impatience never wins. Rashian Shmos points out, Impatience of spirit. When someone is upset, their spirit and breath are shortened. They cannot breathe deeply. Likuti Maharan also points out, also for Eliezer G, Keep yourself from impatience and haughtiness. People will not want to be around you if you're impatient. Mishle points out, An impatient man commits folly. A man of intrigues will be hated. And track take Derech Eretz, Meseches Derech Eretz Zuta, points out a shamefaced person is not apt to learn. An impatient person can't teach. No one's going to want to come to your class. No one's going to want to be your student. You can't teach if you're impatient. Be not impatient. Also, Meseches kalarabadi points out, impatience alienates you from your fellow men. And they also point out, one should not be impatient at meals. Be patient. It might take a little bit. For the spouse to bring the food it might take a little bit to bring the drink to bring what you want don't just sit down don't just sit get up and do if it's taking a little while then have patience and wait for it to finally be done things take times if you're juggling a hundred things like many of us do things take patience especially at mealtime Orchot hotzadikin points out our sages said nor is an impatient person fitted to teach because of his great anger the pupils the students fear him too much to ask things when they're in doubt lest he be wrathful with them even when they do ask, he's, he's not had the mind or patience to answer what needs to be answered. So that's not the right way to be teaching. That's another point to carry over. Without patience, we can lose friends and others, God forbid. Patience can be key to keeping many of our most important relationships. The Gemara points out in Baba Batra, all the days of the poor temple, referring to a person of impatient disposition every day is going to feel miserable. If you're always impatient... And you don't have the patience in your life. You're going to have a very sour life. You're going to have that resting mean face we talk about on all the shows. No one's going to want to be around you. It's going to be a very terrible life. God forbid. The Rambam points out in Pirkei is an impatient person is one who is impatient about everything and gets re- angry about everything. One of the worst character traits to have is easily angered and hard to appease. We don't want to be either of those. Be hard to anger, but easy to appease if God forbid you do get angry. And Rambam himself points out the two main things to avoid at all costs are anger and arrogance. Everything else is a middle path. Don't be too generous. Don't be not generous. Don't eat too much. Don't eat too little. But in terms of anger and arrogance, there's things to avoid at all costs. Radak also points out in Beratius, when dealing with his fellow, a person should not be impatient, but allow enough time for people to rethink their evil ways and evil attitudes. Shari Chumal points out someone who's... Impatient to understand and give a ruling will not save their souls from putting a selling block before the blind. If you're too impatient without thinking things through, without thinking all aspects of something, it's not going to go well. You're not going to be able to analyze things from the right perspectives. Rabbeinu Bach, points out in Shemos, In spite of her impatient wait for the redemption has been delayed, this is only in order to add to the guilt of our oppressors in this interval in order to punish them more severely for their sins against God and His people. Earlier I said maybe it's a way for us to work on our own patience but also realize Hashem has to take care of those around us in order for the Mashiach to come at the right time. Rabbeinu Bachem, maybe. Rabbeinu Bachem points out when he's talking to Moshe Aron, Aaron, Hashem talks about putting up with expressions of frustration by the people, not to get impatient with them, not to curse them. And the Orachim points out in Shemos, it's true that the Israelites suffered from an impatient state of mind. There were other reasons why they should have listened to Moshe. It's good to listen to others. Listen to your sages. Listen to your rabbis. Don't get impatient with them. They know what they're talking about. You have to have proper faith in Hashem and in his leaders, in his sages. And lastly, Messiah Shishan points out, Rabbi Zaira said, never in my life have I been impatient with my household. Never in my life. Have I been impatient with my household, nor have I walked ahead of one greater than myself, nor have I meditated on the Torah in filthy alleys. But the main thing is to have patience, especially with your household, with your spouse, with your children, with your friends and those around you. But it starts in the home. Just as chesed starts in the home, patience starts in the home, as do all attributes that we have to work on within ourselves. And that's the last point to carry over. Patience is not only beneficial to you, and those around you, but to the nation and the world at large, leading to more serenity and calmness in the world. We're just going to wrap up with the points to carry over. Thanks for sticking with us. Patience is really a wonderful quality to have. It's better than all the money in the world is a golden quality. Patience brings much goodness to our lives and those around us, changing the whole world for the better. Patience is key, has the ability to turn away anger around us. We should be known for our patience and good character, dealing with people using empathy and giving time and attention like the great sage Hillel and the great rabbi Prayda did. Understand Hashem controls all, and that can help us develop patience. We are not in control, but He is. He does everything for our benefit, for good, and, he can, and this can give us peace and the ability to wait in life. Don't jump the moment. Let things settle in. Wait them out before jumping to conclusions in life, as that might be the answer oftentimes. Many times we might not understand things, but as Hashem is patient, so should we be. And maybe with time we will come to learn the reason for some things that might happen that feel and often are tragic and sad. Sometimes we need to go above and beyond and use patience, even in a situation that seems too hard to do so. Learn from those before us that it is possible and very commendable. Without patience we can lose friends and others, God forbid. Patience can be key to keeping many of our important relationships. For an impatient person, life is not enjoyable but will feel as a constant aggravation. Patience can then be the key to a peaceful, calm, and enjoyable life. And patience is not only beneficial to you and those around you, but to the nation and the world at large, leading to more serenity and calmness in the world. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Lecture Series with Reb T. Join us, God willing, in two weeks when we talk again here on the Lecture Series with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.